today what we are going to talk about is money. Um, None other than this right here. And because we are going to talk about money, um, when I bring this up, for some of you, it causes excitement. It causes anxiety. Some of you are smiling right now. Um, some of you, it causes the, the feeling of security. When I hold up a $100 bill, uh, this holds a certain amount of weight to it, does it not? Money talks to you. You think about money a lot. I think about money a lot. Money is something that is a part of our daily life. And the cool thing about talking about this right here is you already understand it. I don't have to do a lot of work to get you engaged because when we talk about money, if you are five years old, you go, yup. And if you are 60 years old, you go, ah. It causes a certain feeling for you. When I was 10 years old, I got my first job. Walked up to dad and said, I need to work. I wanted to buy some football cleats, and he said, you better clock in. I made $1 an hour. It was great. And so when I got my paycheck or got my envelope of money, I had $12. I'll never forget. And we did not do family devotions very often. But when we did, they consisted of envelopes. And our envelopes had saving, or no, sorry, whoa, 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 giving, saving, spending. And I remember to this day, them saying, this needs to go there. And I was like, I don't want to put it there. I would rather keep it. And my dad would respond, you greedy sucker. None of this is yours. Money is something that causes you and I to feel a certain way. And the cool thing about money, because it is pretty cool, is it not? The cool thing about money is it provides freedom. You're able to do certain things with it. Uh, For some of us, it's buying something off of Amazon, right? I don't know why these show up at my house every single day. It's a safety hazard at this point because when we go down Malo Path, my wife will see the package at the front door. And then I will have to remind her we have to come to a stop. She is trying to jump out of the window. I wonder what it is. How do you not know what it is? I thought that's how shopping worked. And then she'll, you know, get out, wonder what it is. I said, how do you not know? Maybe someone sent it to us. Do people send us random Amazon packages? No, we bought it. And then it will cause us to feel a certain way. Some of you ladies, when you drive by Target, oh my, (gasps) you're sweating, you know? And I'm like driving with my wife. I'm like, I can't believe you. What an addiction. And I turn into Starbucks, right? You know, there's certain things about money that cause us to feel a certain way. Um, right out of the gate, before we even jump into Proverbs, I got to do uh, some legwork to get there, but I've titled this More Money, More Problems, question mark, because it doesn't feel that way. I've heard people say that. Maybe for some of you, you remember someone saying that to you, but what did you say? Well, I might as well give it a shot. If it's my life and God has given me money or money is in front of me, I want to work to make it. 
If you're in high school, you can understand money. If you're at any age of understanding, you have to work for something, and it doesn't feel like a problem, does it? It feels like a solution to me, doesn't it? And anytime the church will talk about money, a lot of you will go, of course. These guys want more money. They don't do that much. I want to know what they do. I want to know where it's going. And they want more money. God wants more money. Doesn't he have enough, Michael? God's bank account is not running low. His bank account is not in the red. Um, And praise God, neither is this church. Uh, I asked Pastor Butch to get the right stats. He said, we just celebrated 25 years. He said, in 25 years of ministry, there have been two months where he said we had to, quote, watch cash flow. There has never been a time where we could not pay our bills. That is an answer to prayer, and that is a evidence of God's people giving to his work and his ministry. But I want to let you know, when God looks at his YNAB or his budget, it is never in the red. He's not running low on cash. He's not really hurting. He would like to do this work, but man, he just doesn't know how to get the money. God is not against money, and he's not running low. So why talk about it? Jesus talked more about money than any other topic. The Bible alone has 2,000 verses on money. Jesus told 38 stories, 38, and 16 of them were about money. More than heaven, more than hell. He talked about money. Why? Because he knows you care about it a lot. I think about money a lot. 16 of those stories, 15 of them, he was not asking for anything. One time he did a coin trick with a lady in Mark 16 or Mark 15, but none of those times was he asking, why would he talk about money? Jesus was up to something, he was after something, and it was not your money. He, is, he was always bringing it up because of this simple phrase, I believe, or the question we need to ask. Does money add meaning to my life, or is it the meaning to my life? Does it add meaning, or is it the meaning? Jesus said this phrase in Matthew 6, 21, talking about money. He said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When he was talking about money, he addresses the issue of the heart, trying to get after the heart. And um, anytime a pastor will talk about money, they will use this phrase or they'll refer to this in this example. If God wants to see where you are spiritually, where Michael is spiritually, he needs to look no further than my checking account. So let's pull it up on the screen so we can, no, I'm just kidding. You guys are like, whoa. Uh, look no for you guys, that would be wild. Uh, look no further than my checking account, not my prayer book, not my devotional time, not how many times I raise my hand during the song. I always have friends that come to church like, Duma, what's this? Mm. I was like, it's weird. We just do it. Just embrace it. Uh, how many times do I sing this song or sing that song? The gauge for spirituality for Jesus is where our money is, where we value it. And I have three things or three, three questions that I want to ask you today, and I've been asking myself. And if there is ever a sermon that is harder for me to prepare than a sermon about money, I don't know what is. And I'm thankful you came back. Last week, we talked about adultery. I thought it was going to be crickets today. 
but you came back, we were talking about money, next week parenting, the week after anger, then drunkenness, all of these things in the book of Proverbs. And we have talked about this man, Solomon, every single week. And Solomon, uh, he is the writer of 29 of the Proverbs, but these are some regrets he had in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you'd pull it up on the screen for me. Ecclesiastes 2, he said this, I built houses and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks. I made pools from which to water the forest. I had great possessions of herds and flocks. I gathered for silver and gold and the treasure of kings. I got singers. Um, Solomon, this guy, had more money than all of us combined. And I don't care if you're Papa Big Bucks in here. He had more money than you can fathom. And this is what he said. He said, I became great and surpassed all who were before me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended. All this was vanity and a striving after the wind. Solomon didn't go to concerts. Remember when we used to go to concerts? Maybe next year. Uh, He didn't go to concerts. 21 pilots came to his house. Uh, Kevin Hart came to his house. He had comedians, singers. This guy had more money than we could ever fathom. And in 1 Kings 3, the, the writer of Proverbs, he says that when he became king, he got to ask God for anything. Imagine if you got to do that. I'll give you whatever you want. You get one question or one ask. I mean, how much money could you ask for? And he said, give me wisdom to discern between good and evil. And then God gave him that and also more riches than anyone before him or after him. You're like, wait, what was the prayer? Right? You want to know what's the secret. But Solomon, you and I don't have the funds to put to test what Solomon put to test. It says in Proverbs 1.20, wisdom shouts in the streets. It says that we should pray for wisdom to ask God and he gives to all who generously ask. And so you and I must say, God, with our money, what are we supposed to do? For some of us, we, we'll put it to the test. A sermon ain't going to change any way you feel about money at all. It will feel secure. It will drive us. It'll do whatever. But we have to ask God, how am I supposed to manage my finances with wisdom? Everyone has a lot to say about money. We could make this 20 weeks. I mean, we could talk forever about money. And I am going to ask you or ask myself Three simple questions, and I hope that they are helpful for you today. The first question is this. Does God want me rich? Ah, pastor, that's what I want to know. Does God want me rich? Because I would like to be rich. I would like to. So what what does the Bible say? Well, it says in Proverbs 10, 4, it says this. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Ah, so all we got to do is work hard. If we work hard, is God against money? Is he for money? God is not against money. I actually would believe he is the causer of it, or maybe not inventor, but he is cool with you having money. But the, the question we must ask is this, does God want me rich? And these are Proverbs, remember, not promises, that a lazy hand causes poverty, and people who work hard, they're rich. So the principle in Proverbs is this, wealth usually is a result of hard work. God's like, yep, got that right. If I, if I work hard, it's usually a result of hard work. Not always. 
And the Proverbs would teach usually and sometimes it's a result of discipline. It's in Proverbs 13, 11. It says this, uh, that 13, 11, thank you. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Uh, if I'm wise with my money, God is not against 401ks. He's not against you being smart. He's not against you saving up in the budget. He's not against that. That if you gather little by little, eventually you'll have enough wealth to do some things you would like to do. And it's in Proverbs 3, uh, 9 and 10. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Does God want me rich? Honor God with your wealth, the Proverbs would teach. There are two, uh, two teachings on this that are very extreme. The first one is one that really drives me insane. The first one is this. It's called the poverty gospel. That if you really love God, you will sell everything you have, you'll live in a cardboard box, you won't do anything with your money, and you'll give it all away, and you'll be super irresponsible on that end. I believe people who try to teach this maybe comes from a good motive, but is not consistent with the Bible. You can't hold on to that view and still teach the Bible faithfully. The other side, and this one will get some of you riled up, the prosperity gospel. If you love God, and you really honor God, you give him 10 bucks, and what's he do? Give me 100. That if, if you really love God and God really loves you, what will he do? He'll give you more just because you've already given to him. Both of them are wrong and to the extreme. It is scripture taken out of context. There is a balance to both. That in the Proverbs, it teaches that when you honor God, he will bless you. If you give him from your first fruits in the Old Testament, he will bless you, but it is not a guarantee that God just decides to give you tons and tons of money because you honored him in your wealth. It was Vernon Brewer, a president of World Help, who had five men approach him and said, we would ask, we're asking you to pray that we would all become millionaires so we would give to your ministry. I mean, yeah, me too. He's like, sign me up, millionaire, I'll give. How much do you want me to give? He prayed for the five men. Four of them became millionaires. One of them actually followed through in giving to the ministry. If God decides to make you rich, and I'm not doing this as like a guy drive-by guilting, you're all rich, you have water and food. Like, I'm not doing one of those things today. But if God decides to give you money or whatever he's given you, we have to say, God, what do, you, what do you want from this? What do you want? Does God want me rich? I think, he, I think if we are in this room, yes, we do have wealth, but whatever wealth I have, God, how am I to honor you with this? Question number two, am I greedy? Yeah, Proverbs 28 says this, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. And the stingy, uh-oh, are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. It was uh, J.D. Rockefeller had $2.6 billion in the 30s, equivalent today to $26 billion. They asked him the question, and all you know where I'm going, how much money is enough, J.D.? What'd he say? Just a little bit more. The stingy or the greedy, and when it says unpunished or poverty, I don't think the Proverbs are teaching financially here. I think it's teaching spiritually and relationally. 
that you would all know, I would know, greedy people, it's just hard to be friends with them, right? There's always an, a means to an end. They're, they can't really have close friends because they're, they're busy being stingy and greedy. They will not go unpunished. So four warning signs, I'm being greedy. A little confession time with Pastor Mike this morning. If you and I have had a conversation and you remember me saying one of these or you said one of them, don't tackle me after. Like, I can't believe you. Uh, these are mine. These are warning signs I'm being stingy or greedy. Number one, I always have an excuse. Man, what would my excuse be? Here's one that is similar. Hope and I were just talking about. If we need something, it's a legit need. Say we need couches, right? We, the couch we got now, the stuff's coming out, and it's kind of tucking it back in like we've had it. We need one. We'll start to save up for the couch that we, that we need. It's not like we're just blowing it, like we feel like we save it up, you know, increase wealth little by little. If I start to feel like God wants us to do something with that, but I'm not 100%, what will I do? I'll just go spend it. I wasn't sure. I'll always have an excuse, or another excuse I'll have is say, hey, once we pay that off, now we can honor God with our wealth. Ah, the debt. Borrow is a slave to the lender. Once I get that taken care of, now I will. Or the one that always, I mean, hope will just mess me up with this one, is when I'll say, well, once, once we're a little bit better financially, I'll get a little bit of a raise. Now I can honor God with my wealth. Once we make a little bit more, now we can what? Afford it. That's an excuse I'm probably being too greedy. Number two is, go ahead and pull it up for me, I don't have enough to give. Ah, So it's not in the budget is the first one, or, or for me, if I don't have enough to give. I'll make the excuse of, God, we don't have the 10% to give. We can't afford it is the statement I'll say. And my wife, I'm not trying to talk about her the whole time, but um, she has what is called the gift of giving. It's a spiritual gift. Those type of people are really hard to be around because they have an unconscious giving mentality. The, the, the givers, they don't see what they have in the budget. They see what the need is. And I'll say things like, in my excuse, or if I, don't, if, uh, if I don't have enough, I'll say, well, we didn't plan for that. We didn't budget for it. She'll say, that's not the question. The question is, do they need this? It's an opportunity that has arose. And number three, and I've said this, oh my gosh, I don't know how many times. I don't love money, I love what? What it provides. Doesn't it make you feel better? Oh, you guys didn't know we, like, yes, like you can nod. Like it makes you feel better. It causes a sense of security for me, right? It makes me, just when there's a little bit more there, it's like, Yes, if it just the, the sense of security, and it's not that it's not a wisdom principle to save, but it makes me feel better. If money changes my emotions every single day, the, the, the truth is, I don't have wealth, what? It has me. I don't love money, I just love what it provides. And number four, the last one is this, I definitely give more than them. That's a sign I'm being greedy. I don't know what they give. I don't know where they, I don't know anything, but I'll compare and I'm like, we definitely give more than them. Now you would never say this out loud, right? Maybe to your spouse, you would never admit this, but it's a thought you have. Well, at least we gave once last year, did this once next year. Signs I'm being greedy is that I'm withholding or not being obedient to whatever God would ask. And this question I've needed to ask myself, do I trust God enough 
to let him be in charge of my money that is all, that's already his. Right, so I'll play the game with God. Hey, you weren't the one who worked 70 hours that week. You weren't the one who uh, did this or saved up and we will put ourselves on the pedestal when really I need to say, I don't have a job unless God gives it to me. I don't have opportunities unless he gives it to me. I don't have the ability to work unless God gives it to me. God, all that I have is yours. Do I trust him enough? And it's in Proverbs 28, 25 says this, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Um, Two ways that I'll see conflict play out in my life when I know I'm being greedy. The first one is this, uh, it'll cause conflict between me and hope. Because again, if you know someone who is a natural giver, they'll always see the need. And they'll always say, well, we, we should do this or we should do that. And you'll say, yeah, but we just didn't plan for it. God, I just didn't plan. It'll stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. When it's talking about trust in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have to ask God, where is my heart? And signs I'm being greedy for me, it stirs up conflict with my wife and then also with none other than the Lord. Just be debating a little bit with him about what I earned or what's right for me or I can't afford it. I can't give 10%, so I might as well not give any. Or we'll have these assumptions in our minds with money and with trust. The question when it comes to being greedy or generosity is, do I trust that all, of, all that I have is God's? Every penny. None of it is mine. Yes, my name is on the bank account, but it is not mine. He's given me every opportunity and everything that is in front of me is his. So the third question is this, why should I be generous? We could talk about, I mean, a ton of examples of how and what it looks like. And we could talk about with your time, resources, money, whatever God's put in front of you. I want to talk about why. It's in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. It says this, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. You guys are like, all right, how do I get rich? Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. So its teaching is that if you give, God will bless you. I know that makes some of you uncomfortable. When you honor God with your wealth, in 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about how he loves a cheerful giver and he does respond to you. It's not, we're not talking dollar signs right now. We're talking maybe the blessing is spiritual, the blessing is relational, that God blesses you, that he takes care of your needs. As one pastor put it, it is God's math, right? He just shows up, he takes care of you. That when we honor him with our wealth, he blesses us. Now, here's what is important. We could talk about in Luke 16 how uh, faithful and little, faithful and much. We could talk about how in Proverbs 21 that if you don't give to the poor, God can't hear your prayers. We can talk about how, what true riches are, all these things. But what is important is why should I be generous? Because if I give to God or honor God with my wealth, expecting and demanding something in return, is that actually a generous heart? Nope. If I give to God and say, here, God, I'll wait for you to give to me. That's not a generous heart. That's actually the opposite. It's a greedy heart. I've done this the past two weeks, and I think it's important again to do it. Uh, under the book. This is true wisdom. 
God, in my, the things that you hate and love, I need to be under the book. When it comes to adultery and sexual sin, God, I'm under the book. And God, with my finances, I often just do this. Would you help me to be under the book? In this phrase, all I have is from God. Over the summer, we talked about in 3 John, the Gaius principle and his hospitality and his, the things that he had, how uh, he honored God in those things. When it comes to anything we have, all I have is from God. I have nothing without him. Everything is his and available for his work. God, what do you want? We have two options to live with our finances. We can live like this or we can live like this. We, and, and, and here's the thing. A lot of you would say, well, if I honor God with that, I'm, I'm nervous of what it's going to look like. I don't trust him. And here's what is important to know. If you're not a Christian here today, God doesn't want your money. We do not want your money. You cannot give enough to earn God's favor with you. We would say, keep your money. We don't want it. We don't want it. We would hate for you to decide to give and maybe God will love you more. He does not love you more when you decide to honor him with your wealth. He first wants your heart. He first wants your heart. All I have is from God and available for his work. So this question I have asked myself, why, why am I so discontent? When does it go away? Ecclesiastes 4 why am I so discontent, right? For some of us, why is it always what they have? And Solomon says this, he said, I saw that all toil and all skill come from a man's envy of his neighbor. So uh, God is not against ambition, right? He's not against you making moves. He's not against businessmen. He's not against you saving. He's not against any of that. uh, Ambition is healthy when it's obedience, when it's obedience. But I have to say, Am I ambitious because someone is in front of me or simply because God wants me to do this? Why am I ambitious? Because someone else exists. He says this, the fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. He's not promoting cannibalism. He is saying a fool folds his hands and says, fine, I won't do nothing. I won't have ambition, I'll just be lazy. The Proverbs say a man buries his hands in the dish. He's so lazy he can't feed himself. He folds his hands and says, fine, I won't do nothing. Don't do any of that. He says, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full full of toil and striving after the wind. So what does this teach? If I have two hands and I'm constantly digging and they're never enough, better is one handful and contentment. Contentment, I believe, is a foreign skill to be learned. It says in Philippians 4.11, Paul says, what I have learned, the secret of being content. I don't think contentment, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I, at least for me right now, it's not something, I, like, it's so weird, I don't even know what it feels like sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? I can't even identify it. Now I'm content. I'll, all I know is I know what discontentment feels like, but contentment is hard to discern. I can't, it's just hard to even recognize it. Eventually, eventually, I have to be content and happy with the life that God has given me. Eventually, the rat race that that you and I are on, constantly digging and digging and digging, why am I so discontent? 
in Proverbs 30, 7 to 8, all 29 Proverbs, I believe, are from Solomon. This one is from a guy named Agur. He says this, two things I have asked of you, and this is a prayer. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove from me falsehood and lying. And this prayer, I, I don't like this at all. Give me neither poverty nor riches. So he said, if I have to choose, give me neither. Why? Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Sometimes too much success drives people away from God, does it not? Sometimes when you're doing too well, you don't need him. You're doing great. You're, I, mean, the, I mean, everything is just booming. The biz, everything is flying. It's, it's perfect. What, why would I need him? God, I don't need you. He says, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. What I have is all I need. I believe that is the principle Solomon teaches in the book of Proverbs. God, what I have is all I need. Would you help me to honor you with my wealth? Would you help me not to be greedy, not to be a lover of money? Would you help me to have wisdom to discern this is what it's for? that it provides freedom, it can enhance my life, but God, help it to never take control of my life. All I have is from God and available for his work, and all I have is all I need. Let me pray. God, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the book of Proverbs. God, would you help us to be men and women who are under the book? God, would you give us the ability to yield to you with our finances, no matter how hard it feels? God, would you help us to honor you with our wealth? Would you help us to recognize all I have is from you? Everything in my account is from you. Would you help us to understand what you want with our money? Would we seek to be generous wherever you call us to? And God, we are thankful, thankful how generous you have been to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.